You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up? Welcome to this week's episode of Lamb Goats Van Flip Podcast. And I know you've been wondering, where have we been the last two weeks? Well, I can tell you a little bit about that. Obviously, you know we were in Furnace Fest, so... Uh, we had episodes banked up, but we traveled a lot in the last three weeks doing Las Vegas for some radio summits and then obviously Furnace Fest. Um, and I'm moving as well again. So there's that. And here we are. So now it is Wednesday, the 11th, and you're listening to a new episode of the Van Flip Podcast. And this week, I'm sitting here with Josh, guitarist for North Carolina's Hope Falls or Hope's Fall. Yes, I couldn't get through it without oh, messing it up. Yeah, I couldn't get through it without messing it up, Josh. You'll learn if you listen to the podcast. I fuck it up. <laughs> I fuck it up within sixty seconds every time. Josh, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, um, I think um, I know Dylan, my partner in in Lamb Goat, has been kind of like uh, petitioning for you guys to be on the podcast for at least two years now. But like I was, oh. like I mentioned to you prior, we didn't. I didn't do the podcast for a year. So within that same time frame, he is, you know, petitioning and, and trying to get you guys on and whatnot. And um, I think that was sort of around the same time. Yeah. It was after we saw you guys at Furnace Fest, the 21. Okay. Um, yeah. He was like, yeah, we should get them on. And are you should get them on? And I was like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not doing the podcast for the foreseeable future until something changes. Um, which, you know, taking over lamb goat was the thing that changed. But um, yeah, it, um, it's good to get you on here finally. And it's also good because you guys have done a couple of things since he had been petitioning to get you guys on the on an episode. Like you guys, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys went to Japan for the first time. You guys played Furnace Fest again. You, I, Within the last couple of weeks, you've released a remastered version of Satellite Years. So there's definitely a lot of things. And I, and I correct me if I'm wrong later on, but... I think there's new music in the works for you guys, and we can get into that later. I don't want to spill too much of the beans or tease people if I'm completely wrong, but I think you guys have, like I said, done a lot since then, so I guess right now is a perfect time to God, to kind of have you on, but also it's the perfect time because you guys are a band that Lamb Goat's covered for quite some time, and as we're coming into our 25th year as a website, you know, we try to... We try to shed light on a lot of new bands, but it's also good to have some of our legacy bands. And I hate calling bands I've listened to for almost 20 years legacy bands because then it makes it ages myself. But here we are, Josh. No, I'm happy to be on, uh, you know, and I'm, it's fine to be a legacy band because it's like I remember reading Lamb Goat back in the day and, and like thinking, oh, this is fucking cool, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, so, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And everything that you said already is factual and correct. <laughs> nice, nice. So there is like, music in the we camp. Did, we, we did go to Japan, yep, for the first time back in March. A guy over there named Koba 
uh, brought us over and we went with Taken mm -hmm. um, from Southern California. And we had a we had an absolute blast. We played five or six shows over there. Our first time ever. It was like Taken's like seventh time there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah. I think they had gone over. And I think, weren't they like the, I don't want to say the reason you went, right? Like you're not, that's not the reason you guys were there. Well, no, no, no. It, 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 it has a lot to do with, like, Ray texted me from Japan when he was in Japan on a Taken tour a long time ago. I can't remember. This might have been, like, 2019 or something. I think the tour was announced yes. in 2019, but right? And, like, you guys had delays with COVID and all the other travel restrictions, correct? Well, we were going to go with them in March of 2020. <laughs> yeah. That's when, that's when the tour was initially booked. And... um but he was over there and he was like the promoter koba awesome guy was like hey I, I would love to bring this band over like we should do a joint tour and so ray texted me i was like i would love to go let's do this and we had it all set up and then COVID hit and that was a mess and uh, it threw us off for i don't know three years or so <laughs> yeah. and um but we got to go this past march and it was a absolute privilege to get to go over there and play fun shows and what was interesting is that they call melodic hardcore, which is we're, we're going to lump ourselves into that category. There's there's plenty of categories we could be lumped into, yeah, right? You're a JoJo band. Um, so, but they but they over there there was like hostels like JoJo hardcore. Yeah, yeah, you're a JoJo band over there. Yeah, yeah, and we we're like, okay, sure. Yeah, if that's it, that seems to make everybody excited when we say it, so we'll say it. You yeah, know? as long that's as it's a good thing, right? As long as it's a good thing, yeah. you don't want to come over to, oh, yeah. you're a JoJo band, and, you know, it doesn't sound like it's a great thing to be if you're an American, right? Or if you're an English-speaking person, it doesn't really sound like a great title, but hey. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's what it was. We we found that out, you know, and uh, and people were super excited about it, and we had a blast, so that was good. Furnace Us was amazing. Always, um, always is yeah 2021 was that one was to me it was an exceptional experience like that was like a a peak musical moment in my life i would say yeah and i, and hate, I think I it hate, had a lot to do with the energy coming out of covid right i hate you, agreeing you know, with you too and i don't i don't like agreeing with you on that because i you know i don't want to say like the other the other years aren't as good or like this past year that when we just did wasn't as good you know but like you're right there's something that magical happened that you know could have been the lineup could have been the like get everyone getting back you know to shows and everyone being pent up from you know covid and restrictions and blah 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 but there was something magical about that particular and it felt like that too as an attendee i felt like uh you know, when watching certain bands play like you guys, uh, Zayo or Converge, like in Glassjaw sets, like those sets, I was like, I feel like I'm witnessing something here too. You know what I mean? That's above and beyond just absolutely the regular show. You know what I mean? I share that ex same experience. I can't put it, I cannot properly vocalize it or explain it. There was just something in the air, right? Yeah. Like the, the energy of that was incredible. Um, and I already loved it. <laughs> Right, like we played multiple furnace fests way back in the day. Yeah, we were yeah. having a blast back then, you know. So I was expecting to have a good time, and I had a better time than expected. But I have to say that was my same experience for 2023. I was expecting to have a good time, I had a better time than I expected. Yeah, yeah, like, same. I had a fucking blast watching bands, drinking beers, 
you know, talking to talking to folks. You know, we got to put out that that we we did do the the remix remastered right. version of the Satellite Years and put it out there, and uh, that went. Was that also was, was that, what I was also? I'm sorry. Was that also being sold there through Equal Visions at, at the festival? Wasn't there like a weren't weren't you guys part of the vinyl like the the variant thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, we had our own like band variant, which we sold out of way faster than we expected. And Equal Vision had also brought some records where they're like, we don't want to like compete with you, but we're gonna put them on sale tomorrow. We're like, we just ran out, so we just put them on sale. <laughs> yeah. And so. Yeah, so but that was like the first place you could get it, and then it came out the following Tuesday. I think it was like the twenty sixth of September. Awesome. Uh, so it's now it's out on the all, all the streaming sites and this and that. Um, but we got we got the opportunity to remix it and remaster it because it was folks were it was always limited pressings before, and there's other bands like revisiting their music and kind of just touching it up a little bit. And even though we loved the original recording it's like we felt like okay if i put on a record of a band that i like now you know like let me say i put on the most re recent like defeater record mm -hmm. and i put on the 2002 version of, of satellite years and was like there's a there's just a qualitative difference it's like well yeah technology is de better equipment's better you know our uh engineers and people that do all that stuff they're better they know more you know so exactly. yeah and, and we were like, man, we'd all, we would love this record to just hit harder. And so the opportunity came up, like EVR was cool with it. They like, we went and got the old tapes, like the old analog tapes and that our drummer had held on to for 20 something years. And, you know, yeah. just sat in his basement basically. And so we, we went up to New York and there's this process they literally like have to bake the tapes which i i was like you bake the tapes so that must be a term and i was like nope they heat them up they bake them right and then they like transfer it all the digital and they can remix it and tweak it and then they send it right back to analog to mix it to to master it again mm -hmm. and then so it just feels like it hits a little harder um like it stands it stands up a little better yeah i mean so the weird thing about like a remix or remastered album, right? And um, it might be because like I'm a little older and you're probably a little older than I am. And you know, I just turned 40, but like. I'm 44. It, yeah. So whenever like a remixed album come, came out in like my childhood or whatever, it was, you know, something from the eighties, nineties or whatever. And clearly there's a difference, you know, in like we just went over technology sounds, you know, processes, what you have available to you at the moment in time. And, you know, what sounds good at the moment in time too, because there are different, you know, speakers change over the time. What you're, what you're mastering the song for changes over time, you know? Are you mastering it for like earbuds, a car, a home stereo, you know, a rap club or a strip club or any other kind of thing, you know what I mean? These are all things that people have to take into consideration when they're, you know, mastering or doing something or, or finalizing their product. But my question is like, what I mean, obviously, you guys had the the want to make it sound better and clearer and crisper. But like, do you ever worry about you know someone who has probably lived, you know, your favorite bands releasing another album that's remastered or or slightly different than what it was when you were, you know, listening to it in its prime? Were you afraid of like people just not liking it? Because you know there are bands that have released things that have had mixed you know cognitations of like. Well, I like that album 
20 years ago and it sounds you know it does sound different if which especially if they're like re-recorded you know if like band re-records it type thing but um were you guys worried about any of that or well we we weren't because it's like we had all the original sounds from the original tracks we're just like we know that people can make it thicker and fuller and and and, and make it more and quite frankly it's like some of my favorite bands like when they put out the remaster i'm excited yeah i'm like oh yeah because it's like i know what you were working with 25 years ago yeah. your budget <laughs> your budget probably wasn't there you know what i mean so yeah and when they come out with the new ones and they just hit fuller and you can hear more and there's some clarification and separation in the frequencies i eat it up mm, yeah I, I do i can't think of a record that's been revisited from one of my favorite bands that I didn't like more that I always listen to the remastered version of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, again, there's a lot of, especially like older songs like that are from the eighties and nineties or whatever. I will try to listen to the, um, you know, if you're on Spotify or something like that, you may hit a thriller, like Michael Jackson's thriller album. There might be like 14 different remasters of that, you know? But I try to do the earliest or the most recent one because you know what I mean. Like it might be fuller, it might be might sound better in the car, and might this that or that or whatever it might be fatter or whatever. But it's um same, I same. Yeah, it gets to a I, point though. We have too many selections of the same, like for Michael Jackson or Prince or someone who's got like a wide discography like the Beatles that gets all that stuff remixed and remastered all the time. You have so much to choose from at that point. Which version uh, of the version do you like? You know. Yeah, well, we'll keep it simple for folks. There's the old one and the new one. This yeah. isn't going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, and you just re you didn't re-record it. You just you know used everything and cleaned it up. Yeah, from yeah. the original. Um, that's cool, man. That uh, do you think that helps um, introduce you to newer uh, to a younger audience because of the way? And I'm not trying to shit on how your record sounded, Josh. I also lived that time. I lived <laughs> the time when people were recording in like garbage can 10 garbage cans and the sound just wasn't that great but like I, yeah because you know a lot of like the going back and forth whether you're talking about vinyl to cd or remastered to like original pressing or whatever you know people get used to the way it sounds so like i didn't know if it opened up did it open you up to like a younger audience because the younger audience may be you know used to hearing things that are in a certain way and if it's i think it's, it's more rough it's not honestly. as cool I, like it, ju it just happened a couple weeks ago. So I've, I, I don't know the answer to that. Ah, I, yes. I, you know, like I think it'll make it last a little better in, in the digital era where, you know, where people are expecting it to hit a little harder, but who knows? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a definitive answer, but I can tell you this. Everybody that recorded the record that was in the band likes the new version better. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah, it hits the way we wanted it to hit, you know? I think like that, that's I think, like that kicks in, like that punches, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I could, I fully can understand and I probably would expect that, right? But it's those that have been listening to that record for 20 years that are like, oh, I don't, you know what I mean? That's usually where I'm at. Like 18 Visions. Oh, here, did it. Like, no, no, I'll absolutely tell you my opinion. And like, this is, I don't know if this, I, I hope this is a controversial. It was like, like we wrote those songs for ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Like how old are you, you know, guys when you like, guys dude, wrote that it's album? Ultimately, it's a selfish endeavor. Yeah, how old you are know? you guys? 
We were young. Jeez. Uh, I had just graduated college when we finished writing it. Uh, Early 20s then, right? 20, 21. Yeah, okay. You know, our drummer was 18 at the time. Adam was 18, you know, when we went to the studio. Um, it's like I got into a band to make sounds I wanted to hear, you know, to like to capture the energy of, of the creativity of the people I was working with where everybody in the room that we made each other happy with the noises we were making. And that's the only way it moves forward. It's like, everybody's got to look at each other and be able to look each other in the eye and be like, yeah, dude, I'm into that. You know, outside of that doesn't matter. Gotcha. Truly. You know, it's, 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 we have to be excited about what we're doing. If we're not, why are we doing it? Yeah. And so it was one of those things where it's like we got to be a part of that mix process and everybody's listening to it that was on the original recording. Everybody got back together and was like, yeah, man, like that sounds more like I wanted it to sound. Mm, yeah. That's it. That was the that was the only decision that had to be made. <laughs> and for the folks that like they're like, oh, no way, I like this better. Like the great, you have the option. You do have and the option. Yeah, they're both are out you there. You have the now. option. Yeah. And that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if it makes anyone if anyone's on the fence, I think what you would hear live is probably closer to the remaster at this particular point. No? Like whatever you hear yeah, live. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. If we get to bring the, the, the right engineer with us and, and uh, <laughs> you, you know, and like have, have yeah, everything yeah. the way we want it to have. Well know. I was I was yeah, you're right. The engineer and sound guy plays a huge part in that, but I was you know huge. basing this it on your equipment. Like, yeah, the people that are, aren't in the industry is like you don't appreciate. Like, you gotta have a good sound guy. It's key. like because if it's not, yeah. if, if, if he's off, you gotta have a guy that knows how to represent you yeah. across the day. Yeah, you know, if he's off Crucial. and you're at a festival or a big big event to show or something like that, mm, there's gonna be a lot of people not happy. And you know, mm -hmm. the problem is like you don't even know because you're on stage and you don't even hear it. Oh yeah, no, I can barely hear anything most of the time we play. You know, it's just like okay. <laughs> Like, can I see the drummer? Because I I can't hear up here. <laughs> yeah, right. It's always a comedy of errors, you know, like putting on a live show. But it's rare. I will say this. This year at Furnace Fest, the stage sound sounded thick. It was like, okay, that kicks, that kicks. All right, yeah, that feels yeah. good. Yeah, I think yeah they, so I was happy, happy with it. I think they spent a lot of time and effort into that. And I mean, they've, yeah, been, they've been redoing the stages did, and stuff, so. Yeah, whatever sound company they used, and they, they, like they they did a good job. Yeah, in my opinion, I agree. They had it that was my experience. Yeah, they yeah. had it there. Uh, they had it pretty dialed in uh, this year too. Great time. Yeah, I, and I don't. I end up harping about Furnace Fest like throughout all the podcasts I seem to do. So I'm gonna get off that topic. But okay, um, you guys had an album come out in 2018, Arbiter, and that yes. has been like your first album in like almost a decade. Um, another couple of interesting things about that particular album, it was kind of like your, and again, this is just from the outsider's perspective, you may have a different perspective, but it seemed to be like your, your best well-received record as far as like numbers are concerned, right? Like your chart numbers were better, uh, for that release than the previous releases. Um, what do you think? you know, led to that? Was it because there was such a, you know, long gap between releases or you guys just hit the money on the writing and the, and the, and the song create uh, song, you know, process. 
I would like to think it's probably a combination of both that, that people never thought that this was going to happen mm. again. Yeah, yeah. You know, that this wasn't going to be a thing. And, but also, we got to spend a lot of time making that record. Um, me and Dustin and Adam, uh, so guitar player from A Types and Magnetic North, Dustin, mm -hmm. and then Adam, who was drummer on Satellite Years, No Wings, Frailty, and then on Arbiter as well. Dust was on Arbiter as well. We were just writing music to have fun. Just uh, we we had no grand plan. We were gonna call the band that we thought we were writing for Arbiter. Oh, you know yeah. that's what the songs were. And then I sent it up to our producer Mike Watts up in um, Port Jefferson in Long Island, and I was like, "Hey, man." <laughs> you, you do any deals anytime soon we'd love to come record some of these songs he's like hey do you mind if i show these to some folks and i was like i don't care and he came back to me he's like look you you call this music hopes fall that you know people will be interested people aren't going to be as interested if it's just like all the old members of hopes fall in some new band <laughs> yeah but we just thought we thought hopes fall was done you know, in our mind, it was like, it was over. And we're like, oh, no kidding. This, you know, the internet keeps things alive longer than we expected. True. And um, and so then we found out that there was like actually demand for it. We talked to EVR, we Graphic Nature, like Will Putney and Dan Sanshaw. And they were like, yeah, dude, like we're, we're, we want to put out your record. We want to hear what you got to say. We think there's a market for that. And we were like, all right, well, if you actually think that, we'll do it. Yeah. And so we did. Like, that's how it came about. We did not write a Hopesfall record. We were writing an Arbiter record. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, and what, so, on that note, what is different? Like, it, when you guys were writing it before, because again, like, I, I kind of want to, I don't want to dive super deep into it, but I do want to touch on, like, you know, the, the absences you guys had in the, in almost, yeah, I mean, you guys were almost gone a decade. So, but you, you know, like when you, when you guys started writing, like how, how long had Hope's Fall been quote unquote dead before you actually started writing for Arbiter? And then what is the difference between Hope's Fall, whether it's, you know, early satellite or, uh, you know, first record, satellite years, magnetic north, A-types. What's different between those groups of records and songs compared to the, you know, the newer one? Uh, Arbiter and piggyback on that question for a third one. What's different between you know the newer new stuff that's coming out? Yeah, no, that's it's an easy question to answer because the process of writing is the same, mm. right? We're fundamentally different. Like each piece of music is a time capsule. It's like where we were at then, you I know, gotcha, gotcha. type of thing. It's what made everybody in the room that was responsible for coming up the music where everybody could look each other in the eyes and be like, I fucking dig that. You know, and that they just shifts over the years as your tastes change and, and and all that good stuff. So when me and Dustin and Adam got together to write, it's just us in a room looking at each other, and be like, "Does this jam, or is this bullshit?" <laughs> Dude, are you thinking <laughs> about it, like style? Are you thinking about styles or anything like that? Are you like, I want no, it to be just, rock, or I want it to like, be blues, or I want it to be this or that? And no, it, it's like, I'm never thinking about like style in that sense. 
I, I, I'm just thinking, like, I like this, okay, I like this riff on my acoustic guitar. Let, let me turn on the distortion. Like, okay, I like this riff on my electric mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if those other guys are like, I, I could hear a beat like this, and then we put it together in the room, and it's like, you can have an idea. It's like, oh, I think this should be like this, and then this should flow into this, and this should flow into this. And you put it in the room, and everybody's like, okay, everybody's got equal say and equal contribution to it. It just sometimes it changes, but it's like if everybody's like playing something and you and you lock eyes and you're like, okay, that's it. Then you know, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that you work. That's the only thing that makes it through the process. Right. Yeah. And that's just, that's happened with a bunch of different people over a long period of time, you know? So Arbiter was what we were feeling between like 2011, 2017. So you guys started writing, did you guys start writing at that time? Like 2011? Yeah, 2011 is when we probably started writing 2010, maybe. It's been it's so long ago. It's kind of blurry. <laughs> well, it, so, it sounds kind of like, like you guys were you guys started writing it right around the same time that you guys briefly, you know, I think did a reunion show or did something, we, you know, together. We did, but it was like different groups of people. Mm. Um, you know, like because again, like me and Dustin and Adam, we had no intention of doing Hope Saw. We were just like, hey, the three of us live close to each other. We want to jam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm bored. Yeah, and then it just like. It, it just became something later. Um, so, but, okay, so to tease what you were saying about, like, okay, there's new music. So, um, Arbiter happened, and we were all, you know, we didn't think we were going to still be a band. We are just like, okay, we're just going to do these shows to support the record because EVR was good enough to, like, have some faith in us and yeah, front the fucking bill so we don't have to come out of pocket to go to the studio and do the fucking thing we like. You know, so we're like, well, we should do something to support that, you know, post those shows. We're like, well, shit. Like, why does that have to be the end of it? Did we do more music? Do we have a vehicle now? And so Dustin was, you know, he he didn't want it. He didn't want to do it anymore he's like no thanks like i'm done yeah. you know i've got a job and like i'm, I'm doing my thing like this is a one-off for me and really the four the, the rest of us were like well we could do something else and so we called our old guitar player ryan who lives in nashville we're like ryan do you want to try to write some songs like like you come to charlotte over christmas let's 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 just bring your guitar let's get up and jam at and this so point we wrote three and, songs and again like ryan coming back in the fold it's I mean, he was he was in Hope's Fall prior, so yeah. at this and again, I, I may have blanked out when you had mentioned this, but Ryan's coming back and jamming with you guys. It's still mm-hmm. Arbiter at that particular point, or it's not like Hope's Fall. No, 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 no. This is after okay, Arbiter okay, okay, was yeah. released. Gotcha. Okay. Right, we're on the after same. After Arbiter was released, and so this is like end of 2018, beginning of 2019. We're like, you're coming home for Christmas. Do you want to get up and just write? Just bring your guitar. You know, we've got all the amps and stuff. We got a place to play, and we wrote three songs pretty quick. Mm. And we're like, okay, well, let's do that. And so we we ended up recording it a while ago, and uh, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have those songs are gonna come out at some point um, on uh, EVR or Equal Vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, 
Yeah, it's always good when, you know, late, you know, Furnace Fest kind of screws me up every now and then because, you know, when you go there and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm old. You know what I mean? Like, it really starts to hit, the, you know, like, you're old uh, for us guys or us, us people that have been, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s metal hardcore scene. It just feels like, you know, because I remember, like, my dad or my parents or I never thought, and no offense to you or any other band that I mentioned, but, like, Never fucking thought that, hey, 20 years later, I'll be listening to Hope's Fall or Poison the Well or any other band that, you know, fucking from that era. And here we are. And, like, I pieced it together. I related it to, like, when I was a younger, younger kid. My dad, <clears throat> my dad was, like, 30s to 40s. My dad at 30 to 40 had been, like, they, he saw Led Zeppelin 20-something years ago at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so here I am going, like, is Poison the Well and Glassjaw and Dillinger and Converge and Zayo or all these bands like are they are they my Led Zeppelin for like my yep. life now? Yeah, and that's what it kind of is, you know what I mean? But yeah, it may seem small to me because I'm so ingrained in it. But you know, like Led Zeppelin has fuck it, they're way more gargantuan than the than the '90s or '80s, you know. And they were just coming off of being a band, so like they're so much bigger now. You know, you guys all the bands from that era and before you and coming at shortly after they're still on the up and up nostalgia, especially on the internet is just like infected everybody. <laughs> so everything from back in the day just gets, you know, revisited so much more often, I think than in, in any time in our past, you know? Well, I think the internet makes it much more accessible to do so. That's what I was saying. And like before you wouldn't be able connected to. to other people that are having the same experience you're having. Yeah. You know, so it makes it a little bit more real, but I mean, it's gotta have been that way the whole time, right? Like your dad, he's he saw Led Zeppelin when he was nineteen. He's like, "That's my favorite band," and it's still his favorite band. You know, yeah. it's like I don't know. Um, I heard you'd prefer an astronaut. You know, I heard Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. It was like these are my favorite records. They're <laughs> still my favorite records. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like that's still the shit that hits the hardest. Because I loved it at a time when I was creating my own identity around the the choices I was making. It was like, this is the first time you like, is your coming of age, right? Like, yeah. one of the first things you can choose for yourself. Your clothes, the sports you like, the music you're into. Mm -hmm. And it's like such a huge period of development neurologically. That shit just imprints it fucking self. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. it is what it is. Everyone is having that same experience. Like, the shit that you grew up on is going to be your favorite shit the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And don't worry, it'll get weaponized against you for for the economy or money or something like that. You're getting attacked all the time with nostalgia for they want you to spend the money. But, hey, it works. And you get a little bit of dopamine when you, you, know, you start listening to these old songs and old bands again. But it's cool because, like, you know, on things like Spotify or, or other – apps that you know people hate but stream music and such like it's a great way to also find other bands that like especially now that aren't active at all like maybe a hopes fall fan then falls into another you know like a similar artist that's no longer around or something like that and you know again with nostalgia especially in our little industry it seems like every band no matter how small or big at some point will come back for at least a couple shows here or there every now and then yeah 
So yeah, if, it, if, if, if it's possible and there's enough of an audience for it and it's, it's, it's worth everyone's time and people have fun, you know, why not? You know, mm-hmm. but to your point about the, 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 the apps and Spotify and this and stuff, you know, it's like, I'll listen, you know, I'll put on drowning man. You know, I love drowning man. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of my favorite bands, you know, and I'll just let it play like artists that are like this afterwards and yeah. I'll stumble across stuff. And I'm like, yeah, algorithm, you nailed it. Yeah, it's really cool. And like, you know, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> and I know that these apps get like hated on, you know, because they don't pay this or they do that or blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. and I honestly just, I think what I'd like to do with that particular argument is play dumb because I don't know what it costs or what it, what it entails to run a streaming service that, you know, caters to the entire fucking world, all the genres, all the artists that are big to small. You know what I mean? that's got to be a fucking insane thing. And, you know, people's paying the $13, $14, $20 a month, whatever. It doesn't seem like a horrible out-of-pocket expense to me to listen to any song that I want at any time ever, you know, so I'll do that. But um, I think it's incredible. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. I love But the cool thing is, is like the, the algorithm part of it, where, you know, it will show you bands or like, and I think there's a new feature now, it's like called DJ, and it'll like, it'll be like, oh, hey, you've listened to band X a fucking couple times. Let's play some of these songs. And then they'll, they'll switch up genres on you. It's like a radio station. You know what I mean? Or the daily mixes are also pretty good. They'll mix just a bunch of stuff. You. Yeah. It's great. Just for you. Yeah. I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatsoever. But it's like, we never made money off of music anyway. Yeah. So it's like, I, I might not be the, the right person to like, you, you know, I don't know some well, other legacy artist that like sold millions of copies of records. There's not you know, a lot of those. Would have made way more money off publishing on radio than they do off Spotify. It's like, all right, well, man, I just don't share that experience with you. No, but, yeah, you know, in our I world, think <laughs> yeah, in our world, there's not a lot of million. You know, there's not a lot of platinum records being tossed around, yeah. and if there are, it's taken 15 years to get there. So you know, it's taken a long time. Um, I want to touch base on like what. I mean, obviously, you just kind of like glazed over Ryan coming back to the band or whatever. But what was like, you know, because he left way early on, like after Satellite Years. Am I right? Yeah. And so like what kind of, you know, where what and I don't want you to speak for him, but you may know a little bit about it, like what his journey was to cause him to come all the way back around full circle. And now he's back in the band we, almost 20 years later. We, we were we were always friends. Like it, it, it's like, you know he was out of the band and then like six months later, like we spoke on the phone. It's like, it's ridiculous that we're not friends anymore. We've been friends for our whole fucking lives. Like we've done all this shit together. It was like, let's be friends, you know? And then he went his own way and did moved and joined different bands. And, uh, and we ended up touring with those bands and like, he makes awesome freaking music. And, uh, so like, yeah, when Dustin was like, nah, I'm, I, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Like I've got other things to do. It's like, all right, well, see what Ryan feels like if he wants to even give it a shot. Like, and he was just like, sure, yeah, well, it sounds fun. Let's just see if we can write together. We got right back in the room, and it was just like, boom, yeah. you know, easy peasy. It was like, okay, let's do this. So it was that simple. Um, but Ryan, he's he lives in Nashville, and. Uh, Right now, we have another guy named Will Goodyear that's playing guitar for us because Ryan's lived so far away and through COVID and this and that. 
he ended up adopting a couple of children. He's got a lot going on uh, in his world. So Will's playing guitar for us. Now. Gotcha. But okay. Will grew up in Charlotte and was the drummer of Between the Barry to me, the first record, right? And he actually toured with us back in the day in like 2003 and did like a whole summer worth of shows. I think he did like six months worth of shows with us. He was, and, in, he was in that Valletta band, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the band he you're talking about? He is in that band. He's currently in that band, yeah. Okay, okay. Is that the band you're talking about when you uh, would take it on tour or something like that, or is that a different band? Oh, we're talking about different people. I'm, I'm, getting conf- I'm getting my wires crossed. You go on. Oh, yeah. No, Ryan, he ended up being a celebrity. Yes. And then in, in parallel. Gotcha. Right? Right. And, yeah. we, and like, we took celebrity on tour way back in the day. With every time I die, and uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was like a full breath bill. It was like yeah. celebrity, the beautiful mistake, every time I die, and hopes fall. Oh, beautiful like, mistake! It was, that's a, that's a it was like a good wide mix of music, which is what we liked. We thought it was representative of like what we were into. Um, but anyway, but Will, like we've known him since we were teenagers. Like we grew up playing shows with Prayer for Cleansing, mm-hmm. Hopes Fall, Prayer for Cleansing. And uh, that became between the bear to me, you know. And so Will's just playing guitar for us now. Cool. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, what'd you guys do in, in the downtime? You had a lot of downtime, and I mean, you said I mean you mentioned money, and I want to kind of get into that. That's one of my favorite things to talk about on this podcast is like how <laughs> there is no money basically. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, because yeah. uh, band, you know, like I, you grow up whether you're a young kid or, or, you know, young adult or whatever, and you see these bands, whether they're on like MTV, well, I don't know what the MTV equivalent is these days, but like you'll see a band somewhere being pushed a lot and you're like rock star. You just think rock star, right? Like Limp Biscuit for that, for example, like TRL, uh, early mm-hmm. 2000s, you know, like they're just all over the place. You think rock star, right? And so like when you start seeing bands on any level, whether, you know, big or small, you always kind of feel like, oh, hey, those guys are rock stars. <laughs> but you're really just doing like a hobby for next to nothing. Uh, and you're really not like pushing or, you know, pursuing your own life. You're just like kind of like doing this one thing and you put in like, I don't want to say putting all your eggs in the basket, but the amount of time and effort and lack of money that you have to take when you're doing that quote unquote dream just seems insane. So I like to talk about like, you know, like what eventually led to, you know, to Hope's Fall just kind of disbanding. And then what'd you guys do in between? And then what led you to fucking want to do it again? Was it just being away or being a little bit more financially um, stable in your lives as adults and family and family, uh, you know, people and all that other stuff that you wanted to do? You know, I I don't want to call Hope's Fall a hobby, but like part-time, being in a band and also having this whole other life. So like kind of elaborate on all that. Absolutely. So no, I mean like money (laughs) absolutely is what caused the band to break up, you know, like we're and and what I equated to is this doesn't matter how hard you work, right? It's an opinion based. uh, It is a subjective. It's art. It's art, right? It, It doesn't matter how hard you work. You know, you, you've got to have a boatload of other people validate you, Yeah. you know, for you to get the money 
the, the like the, the the value out of what you put in, right? Yeah. But you're not going to cheap on what value you put in. You're going to put everything in because it's like the thing that you dream about and that you love. And that's what the band was, you know. And we put everything that we had into it, and we didn't get the value out of it that we needed to make it sustainable. Yeah. Period in the story. So everybody went on with their lives, you know, got jobs and did this and that and the other. And I ended up, you know, selling beer for 10 years, like being a sales rep for a brewery. Mm. Um, and then I ended up moving from that into you know, a totally different career where I like, I, I work in corrective exercise now. Um, but it was, yeah, it was absolutely the financial stresses. Like I got to eat. Like, I got to have a compelling future. Like, I got to believe there's something to work towards. And when it gets to the end, and you're just like, this isn't going anywhere. I've got to be an adult. Like, I've got to feed myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because <laughs> I need to go get a fucking job. At this particular yeah. point, though, you're also kind of creeping up towards 30, right? And yeah. <clears throat> you've been on the road or been doing the band thing for a handful of years. And you're just like, fuck, dude. Yeah, so you lose your identity and you have to reinvent yourself. And then you're also like not gaining, well, some, I don't want to say not everyone, but you're not like using your time to like gain skills that maybe help you out in the professional job market or even just the job market in general. And like, that's why you kind of always see like hardcore dudes or dudes that are from the scene, like in the same kind of line of work, like you're printing t-shirts or, you know, you're, you're teching or TMing somewhere or you're, you know, you're all like, loosely based around the uh the industry but it's rare that you yeah. ever see someone like oh i stopped being in a band and now i'm doing like uh aerodynamics and stuff you know yeah i mean it exists oh for sure like, there, there are those geniuses out there but like for me it was like i'm fucking i put everything i had into this thing i'm completely fucking spent i'm gonna do something I'm just going to go in the other direction. I'm never doing this again. That's what my thought was. Okay. Like I failed at that thing. Like and was I did not make a thing. Was Hope's you know? Fall your own, like was Hope's Fall your main band or was that like your all eggs yeah. in one basket and that's the only thing I'm going to do? Yeah. So the yeah. first band that you ever joined was whatever Hope's Fall turned into? No, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Same I'm group of people. I guess I'm just trying to get the mindset because obviously like, again, if you're in a band, if you're putting all your waking energy and efforts into a band and you're, you know, doing it almost a decade long at the end of it, you, you know, you take stock and like, well, where are we at in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. It's been a decade at this. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm now 27 years old. And, uh, I, it's like, I just graduated college. Like I am starting over. I tell people it's like getting, dishonorably discharged from the military. It's like you were part of a special team <laughs> and now you're a fucking civilian. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, start over. It doesn't matter who you were, what you did, where you've been like, you now have to find a way to add value <laughs> yeah. so, and get paid for it. So how long did it take? I mean, I granted, I'm sure you probably had like an hourly wage job or something like that. Maybe I don't, I don't know. You can tell me, but from the times you guys like decided calling it quits, not doing music anymore. How long did it take you to like find like a decent job to like support yourself with that you weren't like working 80 hours a day or something like that? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I 
don't know if I've, I've found that job yet. <laughs> I understand. You know I value my time way more than other people. Of course, I, and I, I do the same. But like, you know. I think I should get paid $1,000 an hour. It doesn't matter, you know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I, it took me several years to land on, to, to end up in a, a, a sales position at a brewery. And that was a great job. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, and then, uh, and I did that for 10 years. So I, let's say it took me like three years to figure out like, like, okay, I, I've got a different direction now that makes sense. Like gotcha. there's a future, you know, and so like, it took me three years to get there. Was it like a horrible floundering three years or just like, you know, taking the lumps as they come and just moving forward or it was kind of easy. Cause it was like, uh, just working towards the end result. No, it, it was, it was hard because it was like, I'm reinventing myself. It's like everything that I had poured all my energy into and everything that I built my identity around was worthless <laughs> at that point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but it's something it's, it hit me late when you're just kind of like, you know, everything's worthless. I was like, yeah, I can totally, I could totally feel you on that. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, onwards and upwards, you gotta, you gotta start over. So yeah, it took, it's... it took a few years, but it, it worked out. And it's like I'm happy for all of those experiences. And I think that to, to tie it back into the original question is like, like, how did you get back into it then? Um, it was that thing where I didn't realize that there was still an inherent value in hope's fall thought no one gives a shit about this anymore <laughs> and we start actually talking to people and they're like no 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 no, like we should do some stuff you mm -hmm. know I'm like oh okay yeah well then let you then yeah let's do it yeah i think you're too close to the you know you're too close to the source same you're same with the new thing and everything of you know your personal <clears throat> you think your art sucks but everyone else thinks it's fucking awesome you know what i mean but yeah. you spend so much time with it, or you're too close to see really what what everyone takes it in at our you know however they take it in but yeah man it's um i mean i could totally see you just being like not you but like the band is kind of like having this defeated feeling of just like road dogging it and you know it was probably it was probably a magnitude of things it wasn't just you guys like you know internet pirating was like fucking huge then you know you're not making a lot of money on well you're not making money on record sales in general but you're not making that much more right like that's getting taken out of the pot and you're basically like selling shirts and, and stuff, you know? It's like, I don't even want to like blame it on anything other than it's like, you know, we were selfish artists. We were going to do exactly what we were going to do. We weren't going to follow a trend or look away or like it was a entirely selfish endeavor. It's like we hit a good wave for a while and it like, but then when we kept doing that thing that like was us being ourselves, it wasn't as valuable to others. Mm. Like, this is what it is. But it's an opinion-based, subjective-based thing. There's no, like, you, you can't measure it, right? It's not repeatable and measurable. It's not science. Yeah. <laughs> you let's know? Go, let's go down an awkward conversation really quick. What, <laughs> yeah. Was it something that you guys just, like, noticed, like, in the last handful of years, you know, toward the end, not last handful of years, but, like, towards, like, 2005, 2006, 2007, you know, did you guys just start noticing, like, and again, I apologize, but like less people showing up to shows, you oh, know, yeah. you just started. And then that all that just like a call, you know, accumulates. And then all of a sudden you're just like, fuck it, dude. Like I gotta, 
figure it out. Yeah, it's like, it's like it, it, we weren't going, it wasn't going up anymore. It like plateaued, you know? And then it was like, okay, this isn't going in the right direction. Like, I can't keep doing this because it's like, I, I don't, it's like, I believe in what I'm doing, but that doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I've got to go be an adult. Like I've got to fucking get a job. Sucks, dude. Yeah. The thing is, the, the weird thing is, is like, I know a lot of people probably listen to this podcast and they're a normal everyday person, right? And that's no offense to that, you know? Uh, they, they can they can work a job. They're like, why can't you just have a job for 30 years and just be done? Like, that's what everyone does. But like, I don't know how you are, but that is so not me. I like, I can't do the same thing unless it's like this particular thing. I've done this for a number of years. And, you know, I hope to do lamb goat for another 20 something five years. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my passion and interest and energy just as easily funnels through this thing. But like working a job, even doing like like I, I've been I was in digital marketing and digital design for a forever. And I was like, oh, I would kill someone to have a corporate design job. Right. And I get that. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. You know what I mean? And like I've listened. I listened to every what I listened to what anyone else said I should do rather than like follow my own, you know, course, like you should not be in a band. You should get a job. And I was like, all right, I should do that. You should not DJ. You should do other things. Like, all right, I should do that. Get a real fucking job. The lamest thing ever was getting the real job. Like that's the lamest time in my life. You know what I mean? So, and when I turned 40, I wanted to like, you know, have this like really moving like post on Instagram or Facebook or whatever about like, you know, follow your dreams. It'll eventually come. And like, truly that's kind of what it is. Like, and I, you know, I, I'm jealous that there are normal people out there that can just like fit into society and, you know, not look up or down or side left or right and just continue on. But like, I am so all over the place. Like I have so bad ADHD and my interests go all over and like, I can't, you know, I'm glad I've, fucking stumbled into this gig right because i don't know what i would do for the next 40 50 years hopefully but uh not saying i do this for 40 50 years but you know it's just crazy how when you do decide to go on your own path and you like say fuck it i feel like my life just got a little bit better in the last couple of years just because i started saying like i'm not no one knows what the fuck to do anyway no one does you know, people just get lucky. They're, everyone's just getting lucky here or there. Uh, and you're not going to experience the same journey or same luck as another person. So just do whatever the fuck you want to do. And eventually it'll come. And like when you say like, you know, it wasn't you were doing whatever you wanted to do and it just wasn't happening after a couple of years. I had to be like <clears throat> right in the heart, you know, just get stabbed in the heart. Absolutely. It was, it, it you know, it was like it was a it was a bitter period you know like to think like oh the like the, we missed the wave type of type of situation you know it was like mentally and emotionally like very frustrating you know but at the same time i don't know looking back on it the way everything like sequentially lined up in my life like I'm happy with how events flowed, right? Like, like, yeah. like failure is a part of growth. Of course. Yeah. And like you had to like, what, and again, like I probably should have mentioned, you have to take a lump every now and then to either oh. 
change your direction or go, you know, get over that obstacle or whatever. And it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be easy at all. No, it isn't. It's like, like there, there are lessons to be learned and, and, and like the whole thing of the, the journey is, you know, the journey is the beautiful thing. It's not the destination type. Yeah. Yes. All of that is true. Um, but I think that, something that you pour your heart into so like because music is one of those things again it goes back to the thing i was saying it's like it's one of the first things you choose for yourself it's yeah, like yeah. it cuts to your identity at your core like so deeply um that it was like oh i'm not good enough <laughs> oh yeah and then you internalize that in a weird way well also you well, also are in a position you and other bands you're in a position where people are going to give you their feedback regardless of if you ask for it want it or need it they're going to give it to you yeah yeah and i think that like it never bothered me as much as someone's like oh dude your band's shitty i'm like eh, that's fine you know <laughs> but whatever but it was like people vote with their dollars it's like well i've got to get a part-time job because it's yeah. like i can't pay my fucking rent you know so you know that spoke to me <laughs> At some point, were you guys paying rent with like checks from Trustkill or checks from Hotsval or whatever? Was it ever enough to sustain? Dude, no. No? You guys didn't all no. like live in a house I mean, or one like, bedroom it was apartment? The, it's like I had a pizza delivery job the whole time I was in the band. And I would like, like I was a hard enough worker that when we would go on tour, I would tell my boss, like Rick at Ricky, I'd be like, Rick. I'm going to be gone for like 70 days. And when I get back, I'm going to need to work doubles yeah. <laughs> for 17 days. And then I'm going to be gone for another 80 days. And he's just like, all right, we'll try to make it work. <laughs> like, I'm a freelance pizza hey, guy, okay? I'll be a freelance pizza guy. I am guy. so grateful. Like, yeah. You have no idea how grateful I am. You know, though, too, though, there are like a lot of people that – like that, like that guy, Rick, right? There are a lot of people that don't get credit, man, that help. Like, and the reason I say those types of things is because, like, you're in Hope's Fall, so you obviously are too close to it, right? But there are people in bands that don't understand their relation to, like, the fan base, right? Whereas, like, band, uh, you know, person X may love person, a, or may love person, uh, band A, and they may fucking think they're, like, the world, right? They, like, oh, my God you've helped me through this portion of my life or, you know, I got this from your albums or seeing you does this, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy because like so much other shit outside of the band and music. And even I'll even say like the team directly, you know, intact in with the, with the band, whether it's record label PR or anything, there's so many other yep. people outside of that quote unquote team that, you know, help those bands in our little industry just last so long like rick la letting you not work yeah. for like 80 percent of the year and whenever you needed to work you could work you know what i mean so shout yeah. out to rick and that pizza joint and all the ricks and other pizza joints out there just helping like yeah these bands you know limp limp around like kids like trying to go out and live their dream and like do stuff i know it's Meanwhile, fun. this so guy's like i got fucking bills to pay i'm slinging pizzas over here you're coming and going whenever you want yeah it's it's such a it's it's so it's so wild but like i so favorably like so fondly remember those experiences like uh, you know like somebody helping you bridge the gap and like getting you there so i don't know it was yeah. fun so you're in you you gotta you're in like corrective movements right like mm -hmm. your, your your job or your career currently is corrective yeah. movements 
uh, I know we were going back and forth. You had gotten injured <clears throat> at some point in your time off or in recent years or whatever. Is the injury, did that lead to the new career? Like, I'm assuming yeah. that, that your corrective movements is like a rehabilitation, like injury, like to get yourself back to moving, you know, close to what you were or, or how you normally were. So like, yeah, I wanted to kind of get into like what led you down that path. Oh yeah. No, at 31 years old, I rolled over a sleeping bed and the C6, C7 disc. So your cervical spine, the neck, right? Mm. The disc ruptured dramatically and slid into the neural canal and compressed the nerves so much that it paralyzed my arm. I woke up in pain. I I rolled over asleep in bed Mm. and that happened. (laughs) You are definitely old at 31. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Kidding. So I go, I eventually I get a surgery and they put an artificial disc in my spine. When post-surgery, the doctor's like, Josh, I've got good and bad news. I was like, doc, what's the good news? It's like, your neck's going to be fine. I'm like, all right, great. What's the bad news? It's like, you're bone on bone in your low back. And I'm like, I'm 31, dude. Like, I've never played sport. Like, I never played football for real. I played touch football, you know? just rocking out too hard on stage, man. We'll get there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, but... He's like, do you have back pain? I'm like, yes, I've had back pain for so long. And uh, he's like, all right, well, I don't know why you have back pain, but this is what's happening. He's like, you have the spinal health of an 80-year-old. Mm. He's like, you're going to need multiple fusion surgeries in your low back. And your job now is to put that off as long as you can, right? Maybe if you can last four or five more years. Uh, that would be great because once we fuse those bones together, yeah, there's no movement. you don't have movement anymore, right? And it starts to take movement away from other joints in the body. And again, I, I like there was no there was no why. Why is this happening? Like, not like a oh god, why me? But like, <laughs> why am I having like what led Jesus, to this? Yeah. I, what the fuck did I do to myself? You know, and uh, and so for years it was just going downhill for me on like a like a physical in like pain i was definitely like a chronic pain person and um i saw a ted talk of this doctor who was 27 years old at the time and he was the strength coach of the u.s men's water polo team going to the 2008 beijing olympics so this guy's like six to jacked right <laughs> and he looks how every guy wishes they look and every woman wished their guy looked. And, uh, <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so, uh, I, I see this Ted talk and he's like, I had to quit my job as a strength coach because it's like, my back was so fucked up. He's like, I had to take care of myself, but he believed there was some way to strength train the spine yeah. at length, you know, holding the, like all the muscles that are woven around the vertebrae literally braided. Right. He's like, there's got to be a way to like pull them apart and get them to hold on to the space so that the bones aren't pressing into right. the discs and the discs aren't shooting into the nerves. And this guy using his own pain because he had his MRIs and his sacrum was fusing into L5 and L5 was fusing into L4 and he was he had the same injury I had. And he's like, yeah, I developed this protocol because I'm like biomechanics and anatomy is kind of my thing. Like, and strength training is my thing. There's got to be a way out of this. 
And this guy came up with this protocol called foundation training. So I see this at 34 years old at a, at a time when I couldn't dress myself. Mm. I couldn't time shoes like on bad days, not every day, but right. bad days. That's where, that's where it was at. I'm popping oxycontins. Like I'm getting cortisone shots in mm. my spine. I'm going to physical therapy, chiropractors, acupuncture, body work. And all of that provided like some temporary relief. Like it would get me over the hump, but like nothing made me like feel good or mm. confident, you know, and chronic pain kind of, you know, first it, it takes away your movement and then it takes away your personality. <laughs> and you just <laughs> kind of become this like guarded version of yourself. I'm sure you're not, and, not the most nicest person to be around either. Cause you're just like annoyed no. constantly in pain. Yeah, but the, fortunately for me, I sold beer, so it was like completely acceptable to just drink constantly because yeah. that was my job. I was a sales rep for yeah. beer, so I just drank all of the time, and that was kind of how I dealt with stuff. And uh, so I, I learned this. I, I see, I, I see this head talk. I get this guy's book, and I start doing these exercises out of this book because I'm like, all right, I've got, I'm out of options. The doctors are telling me it's like you have to have the surgery. You can't have more cortisone shots. Like we're not upping your medicine, you know. And so that's where I was at. I found this protocol, and I got myself out of pain. Mm. And and I was like, I can't believe that I'm the guy doing this. Like I am not an athlete. Like I'm 20 pounds of overweight. <laughs> to this day yeah you know like i like beer and pizza i like smoking weed i don't care you know um sounds like a normal everyday guy dude yeah it's just i'm regular as hell yeah. but like super duper regular me got out of something that these neurosurgeons were telling me it was like you need spinal fusion surgery and I was like, all right, well, if I can do this, it bodes well for humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. How, uh, how, I don't know if you had a tinfoil hat before all that, but how big, how much bigger did the tinfoil hat get after that? Oh, dude, I was, I'm a zealot on this thing, right? Because well, it's this is weird because experience. like, why wouldn't, I mean, I get why doctors don't want to, you know, fix anything down the road because obviously like that kind of doesn't pay well, you know, like if you're, healing all the people but like it's weird that like they the, the only options for you that they were giving you were like all these you know medications or shots and then getting your shit fused which is obviously like the end like end all be all like yeah. no more movement right at all. which has a like 50 percent chance of working right, well for right. folks you know um it's like i don't look at it as like these doctors these doctors get into it for all the right reasons they're smart they're intelligent like they want to help people they can make a lot of money and like, like the system that they're put into though doesn't tell you anything about the health of your movement right and this is where it's going to get a little bit like if, especially for people that are just listening um if you sit for nine or ten hours a day like in a chair that we've done like that, that, that we've made for ourselves which is the a very common experience for folks, oh, yeah. right? Every day at work. What it, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, but that's like, that's a relatively new invention in the scope of human history. You I, like, think, where, like, I you know, like where your fucking head's at, Josh. I like where your head's at, dog. Keep going. <laughs> but here, here it is. It's like, as we're like coming up as a species <laughs> mm. from like Australopithecus, you know, 
and eventually into like Neanderthal, and then eventually into Homo sapiens, right? If you couldn't move, you were a meal. Yeah. If you couldn't move well, if you were the least good mover in your group, you were a meal. <laughs> yeah, you don't right? want to be that. You, you don't have to be fast. You got to be faster than somebody else. Exactly. We we got millions of years of that in our DNA, right? So, if you couldn't move, you were a meal, right? Our mobility was one of our most prized assets, and then we figured out all kinds of awesome stuff. And I am not arguing for us to go back to being hunter gatherers. Like <laughs> I am a big fan of air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, once you get used to that, it's kind of hard to go back. Yeah, I'm a big fan of air conditioning. Like I want climate control. Like I like my I like my iPhone. Uh, yeah, they're creature comforts, you know. Yeah. You know, but it's like, that's not what we used to have, right? You had to move around all of the time. Like, you had to stay mobile. It was only until we discovered or however invented agriculture that we became sedentary, right? <laughs> this is the weirdest slam goat podcast of all time, and I'm here for it, just so you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is, yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Like, this is I'll like, talk- this is what I talk about off our fucking camera all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. So, right. Like we, we become the sedentary species and the idea here, and it's like, you can think about this with me. It's like, you're sitting in a chair right now, right? So do, do this with me, put your heels directly underneath your knees, right? You're going to have to sit up a little taller, right? I'm in a weird chair. Hold on. Now I want your shoulders, right? So heels are directly beneath the knees. You're lifting your head to the ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're, shoulders are on top of your hips so you make it a straight line there okay yeah right you're pre- you're pressing your feet in the floor you're lifting your head to the ceiling right mm-hmm. that's how it should be right it's uncomfortable all the angles. time fine stacked right yeah and then when you just kind of like let go muscularly <laughs> and kind of sit right your hips fold open oh, everything. your shoulders in, oh, yeah. your head goes forward but your center of gravity shifts from the base of your pelvis into your low back. Mm. And we spend our lives there. Right. And it's, it's, it's a great, I don't know if tragedy is the right word, but it's, it's, it's a massive myth that like the health industry isn't telling people that, you know what, the quality of your movement as you age is going to have so much more to do with the quality of your life mm-hmm. at your in your later years, right? If you cannot move well, like your life is not going to go as well, yeah. straight up, right? <clears throat> like if you're locked up and caved in and in chronic pain and, and, and wrapped up, and it's like that's what sitting all the time does to you. Yeah. You just hold inward. Right. And so this doctor was like the first person to explain this in such a way that made a lot of sense to me. And I was like, okay, well, let me look at my life for the past 12 years. Okay. So I start this band when I'm 18, I'm delivering pizza. I'm in college. I'm sitting for my work. I'm sitting for my job, for, for my school mm-hmm. all day long. Right. And then the only physical activity I really get is head bang. <laughs> <laughs> and, and chances are you're sitting down going from city to city in between the head banging too. So a lot of exactly, your time. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we toured for years and years and years. I lived in a fucking van, you know? And so I'm just like, I'm actively, it's like, I'm just, that's all I do. 
is yeah. is sit. You know, and then I lift heavy shit and headbang. You know, and I do it all with no regard for proper mechanics whatsoever. And I just become this like turtle. <clears throat> I look at my pictures of myself and I'm 25 years old and my like head sticks forward way far. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, like who is that? You know? That's good so stuff. So anyway, I just ground myself out, you know, and it happened to happen to me. It, it happened to me at a young enough age where I had to pay attention. Yeah. And, I started paying attention and I fixed it and not in the sense that it's like that shit is healed. Right. Like I still have (laughs) massive arthritis in my spine. Like I have so many osteophytes and bony protrusions in my neck, Mm -hmm. but it's the muscles that are holding it open. Sorry. I'm like, like, Oh, you're good. I've been coughing too. I probably gave it to you. <clears throat> anyway, the muscles hold open the bones. And so I started like putting that input in, right? Holding myself up correctly, following this protocol. And I got out of pain. And that was that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, so, so now I teach it because it's like, here's the other thing, kind of like tying it back into what you were talking about earlier. Like, oh, you just go and get a job and like do the easy thing. I just can't do shit that I'm not into. Right. <laughs> no, I get that like 100%. I have a hard time faking it. And so I got into this and I started getting certifications because I was like, well, this is the only thing between me and back surgery. So I should be good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, over time I started like teaching it because I had all these certifications. And then like COVID hit and I was you know, selling beer in Charlotte, in uptown Charlotte. Like my, my clients are like literally like the Panthers and the Fillmore and like the performing arts center and all the hotels and restaurants, you know, and everything goes away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And they kept me on for five months and kept paying me. And I was like, I was walking my dog with my wife one night and I was like, I cannot believe they're still paying me. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you're like one of the earliest employees of that company. Like they're not going to fire you. And I'm like, like, I, I can't believe I haven't gotten fired yet. Yeah. Like two days later, my boss like calls me into his office and he's like crying. And I'm like, Oh, here, here, here it comes. goes. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm so sorry. Dude. And I'm like, you know what, man? I think you just did me a big favor. Yeah. Like, I want to do this other thing, <laughs> but it would never leave. Yeah. That's cool. Though. I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Uh, like, like, so, so now I, I, I teach, uh, and the way I explain it to folks is like, it's spinal hygiene. Yeah. Which right. You... It, because you know, getting yourself into these forward folded positions when your whole life's on your iPhone or on the computer, where you got to drive to work, you got to drive home, you're going to watch TV, right? You're not going to not sit. That's a ridiculous ask, right? It's an impossible ask. The ask is, is like, you know you're going to sit, but what you need to know is that there's a cost to that convenience, right? Over a long period of time, you lose your range of motion mobility and you start moving incorrectly and then your joints start grinding. Yeah. Yeah everybody you know 
And so it's just like, you got to do something about it. You're not going to not eat because you're like, oh, I just washed my teeth. I can't eat. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's right. One of the things about like, you know, and that's something that and I don't know anything about mobility or, you know, I have like, I mean, at this particular point that I'm going to talk about, I didn't know anything about it. You know, I'm just like late 20s, early 30s. And in like my family, I'm seeing like the elders in my family, like my grandparents, you know, like their mobility is next to none. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I started thinking about that. And I, my sisters are also around the same age as I, you know, I am. So we started thinking like, man, like nobody in our family moves at all. Like they're not big people, but they just have like sedentary lives and they don't have like a lot of mobility in general. And so like the three of us started running and, um, you know, I, we, I was going like 14 miles at times, you know, I got insane with it, but, um, so did I, <laughs> I love, I mean, I love it. I want to, I'm, I just get, I keep getting injured and that sucks. But, um, eventually I think now that I'm 40, I think this is the year I'll do a, my first, uh, I don't even want to say it. I won't even say it on camera. I'll tell you afterwards. Dude. Don't even worry about it. Cause yeah. it is out in public and then I'll have to fucking do yeah, it. You know what I mean? I have to put it out there and do it. I don't want to say, say it. That. You're going to do a marathon. No, nah, it's, mar- it's an ultra marathon. Oh shit. Yeah. So it's the Not one, a regular marathon, a 50 miler. Yeah. I've never even done. Well, no, I, mine is a 50 K, which is 31 point something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I can do the 31, I mean, like, if you can do 31, you can do fucking 50, I would assume, right? Like, it's, Yeah, you just got to watch some David Goggins. Yeah. Like, just have him on in your ear the whole 30 hours that you're fucking doing it. But, Stay hard. Yeah. Stay hard, motherfucker. But, but all that, like, getting into all that and stuff like that. Then I started realizing, like, yoga and just, like, flexibility and stuff like that. And, like, you know, my dad and I had a conversation recently, and he was like, I just don't want to end up like my dad, blah, blah, blah. Or, and I'm like dude get into yoga or you know he's like 60 years old or whatever i go i know it sounds like super lame and you don't ever see yourself doing that but like that i think like it makes sense to me like if you stretch a lot regardless like even stretching regular everyday stretching 95 percent of the people probably don't even stretch right like get out of bed and like properly stretch and that probably goes a long way you would know more than i but you know that probably goes a long way but like i was telling them just you got to do something because if you don't like you were saying just kind of like you know you just yeah you start like imploding on yourself so i mean age has a look right when you see people with their shoulders caved in and their head forward oh yeah right yeah and And, all the all the all the elderly people that are like at 45 degree angles and can't look up it's like so strange they used to be upright they weren't born like that yes (laughs) something happened it's like what happened is the most innocuous thing ever they spent their lives sitting it has a cost. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Josh, the best. So, you ahead. just gotta go in the other direction. Of course, yeah. You got well, and you gotta be. You gotta do it for yourself. You know, because um, you can also do it when it's like once it starts getting a little too late. You can still kind of you know fix some things here or there, but it may not be able to fix all the way. Like yourself, you know, you improved your spinal you know health all to whatever level it is at now, but. You can start it at any time. You don't have to have been doing it since 19 years old or 16 years old We're today. Endlessly adaptable, yes. right? Like we have that thing, neuroplasticity, right? The greatest gift that we have is like we have nature's best supercomputer that it's ever invented, the mm-hmm. human brain. Like nothing is as nothing is as complex as this, yeah. right? It's constantly adjusting to inputs. And if you start giving it healthy inputs, it will adapt towards that. Right. 
it's just like you got to repattern the way you do things and that that requires time and attention and some focus it's not easy it's absolutely work but can it be done absolutely yeah. and it can be done at any age right uh you just have to want it bad enough true so so, so that's the thing so that's what i do now it's like i i teach people i i deal with chronic pain patients people that are out of options yeah. like they're like okay i did i did all the traditional shit i went through the western medical system and i and everything still sucks like what do i do now and then i'm on the fringe yeah you know over here like well this is my experience and that's my sale to folks it's like let me tell you my story like the only reason i'm doing this is because i lived through it yeah. and it's like I believe in it. And like, I think I can help you if you can help you, if, if, if you're willing to give me the effort and attention that it's going to require, because it's not a, it's not easy. There's no silver bullet. It, it is work, you know, but here is a path forward, yeah. not the path. There's multiple ways, you know, and it, might no not, it might not even help way. that person, but at least it's a different option than what is out there. Of, you know, cause again, yeah. everything may not, affect everyone you know the same yeah and they might not even like they they, like, they might like meet me and work with me for a while and just be like whoa this is this is just a, a bit too intense or that guy's a bit too intense <laughs> which is definitely possible yeah um but uh who knows what seed that's going to plant where that it opens them up to something where they find another way forward that's not you know as crippling as some surgeries can be and i'm not like harping on that or like trashing like these guys that are mds that are doing these things these are brilliant people they're skilled people they're doing what they've been taught mm -hmm. you know doesn't make them evil or part of something bad you know it's just like they don't know that there's another way yeah and you know what's Simple. weird about that too That's it. what's weird is like it's taken me like i don't know 25 30 years of my life to realize like <clears throat> There are other ways, right? There are different, like, and it just seems like, and everything's marketed this way too, like whether it's on TV or, you know, uh, in the media or whatever, like holistic kind of stuff, which has been around, like you, the, dude, the, the fav, my most favorite thing said on a hundred and this is the 115th podcast. My favorite yeah. thing that's ever been said is you referring to us as a species and dating us back to like millions of years ago. Cause that is like yeah. how I approach my every day. Cause I'm like, dude, stress humans don't know shit about stress. Like the stress we have now, it's like whatever stress is going on now, like a hundred, 200 thousands of years from now, they'd be like, damn, they really fucked themselves with all this stress right in here. You know, there's so much shit like that affects your body in a different way that you don't really fathom. But like, and I used to be like that, you know, I used to be the guy who was like stretching every day is not going to help you in the long run. There's no way, you know what I mean? Like that seems like foo-foo, silly, hippie stuff, right? Like taking a pill, uh, having a procedure, that seems like medical scientific shit, right? Whereas like, yeah. you know, doing yoga or, you know, strength training just kind of sounded like you're collecting crystals and hoping the sun and the moon charge those bad boys and, you know, heals you or some shit, which, hey, that could also be a thing. I don't know. I'm not shitting on that, but I'm just saying it's like, that's also friend shit, right? And this is so right. weird. Yeah. It's weird that it, yeah. it does take a while for like <clears throat> somebody to come around to that fringe mentality, you know? 
Well, it takes, you know, it's the, the funny thing is, though, it's like, you know how you can get into it real quick is lose your ability to move. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could definitely get thrusted <laughs> into it for sure. It is your most prized asset, and you take it for granted more than you realize, right? And then when it's gone, there is no price you wouldn't pay. Exactly. To get it back. Yeah, yeah. There's no price you, you, you like that. Yeah. And, and then, and it, but that's where it takes, that's unfortunately, I mean, that's how you wake up. That's how you change, right? Something has to go really fucking wrong. Wake you up. Know? Yeah. You, snap you out of whatever you're and in. It's like, okay, I can't keep doing the same shit I've been doing. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, Josh, so, it is. Uh, that's simplifying it dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, we're, we're going on 80 minutes here. I know you're watching fucking Monday night and uh, football, and I have to go to the gym now that we're all talking about fucking being mobile and stuff. I still have yet to go to the yeah. gym, so now I'm like, it's getting uh, close to midnight here. I'll probably be eating a little later than normal, but uh, Josh, it was great having you on. Um, Thanks for having me on. For dude. sure. I know that you guys think Lamb Goat is nice now, but that's so not the case. It's just, you know, uh, we're a little different than we've been before. We're just more active is what we want to say. It's still... They're still we're still rough around the edges, you know what I mean? I believe that. I do believe that. <laughs> and we're, you know, historically, <laughs> Lamb Goat's never been bad. It's just been the other people that visit Lamb Goat. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's always been awesome. That's 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 my impression. You know, outside well, looking in. And we appreciate so it. I'm happy it, to be with what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to continue doing so uh, more so than ever. Uh, hopefully, people notice it and people you know take. Uh, take something from it you know like again we try to show people new bands show people old bands bridge those gaps for the old crowd to new crowd and just kind of get everyone <laughs> together but um yeah man it was great chatting with you um new music on the way uh how often are you guys going to be able to like tour or play shows because i again you have your own career and people have their own careers well it's funny like you mentioned earlier before like ho hobby right and and i always tell people it's like we're a hobby rock band now mm. yeah i have no idea yeah you know our singer's wife went into labor earlier today with their third child who knows what that guy's gonna be yeah. to. he's gotta raise three kids you yeah know? it's not i got there's no promises you know other than like we're, we're there there will be some music you know but uh yeah i have no idea yeah well hey you never know maybe um some ai thing happens and raising kids is way easier and you're able to like tour a lot easier you know what i mean i don't know yeah i mean that's the way it's been going the whole time right, right? like life does get easier you know the it's more never been hey i say this all the yeah. time even with all the bad shit going on on the internet media news and whatever it there's never been a better time to be alive than this second we're the tip of the spear every day that yeah every day <laughs> It's wild, dude. <laughs> We're the tip of the spear. No one has lived with as much ease in the course of human history as we do every day. Yeah. And you're like, asking. It is an amazing time to be alive. Of course. And you're asking people to think about like us as a species, like a thousand millions of years ago. People can't even fucking remember 60 years ago before AC. They're just so clueless. You know what I'm saying? Like some people don't even know what no AC is like, but. You know, I live in Florida, so I kind of know what no AC is like all the time, you know. Uh, and I know what AC is like for right. sure, but you know what I mean? It's... Dude, I, could, I don't know how the fuck people thought the Fountain of Youth was in Florida. Like, Ponce de Leon's truck, 
scrubbing around in that humidity down there. Just like, this is the most miserable shit ever, dude. I live, I don't live far from that, like, quote unquote site, right? And I don't live, you know, uh-huh. so I can go to St. Augustine in less than an hour. But uh, when you're down there and like, you know, people, um, one of the funniest things is people think Florida's like Disneyland and palm trees, like West Palm Beach or Miami and Disneyland. It is not that at all. It is like South Georgia, palmettos, oak trees. Like we're we're the South too. It's just we've got some crazy pockets that have a lot of population yeah. and wild drinking and cool things going on. But the the weird thing is, is like when they came over, you know, like Ponce de Leon and all them people, dude, it was overgrown with palmetto, uh, you know, those palm frond things or whatever that cut you all over and i'm sure you guys have those maybe not where you're at in charlotte but i think by the yeah, coast yeah, like have. more south carolina than north like we're yeah. a, a little bit north right like, yeah so it's a lot that, of that but, shit and like oh dude, dude I, I don't even want to know what it was like showing up to the shore being like all right i don't want to have to go through any of that washbuckle through a fucking mangrove 500 years ago that's the worst chore you've ever had to do hey but if you <laughs> but if you get it if you get to the end you can live forever Maybe if you don't get malaria first, sweat to death. Or yeah, you're running out. You're, there's like so many snake. There's so many types of snakes here and alligators and all sorts yep. of shit, dude. It's crazy. And that's oh, literally man. like right off the road. Like you know, I think I saw while we were at Furnace Fest, uh, and this is, might be too grotesque for people, but earmuffs, people. When I was <laughs> at Furnace Fest, I saw on Twitter like the second day, I was like, oh shit, dude, somebody was walking home from a job interview and saw an alligator walking down the street with like a fucking man in their mouth. Like they were eating a man. Like that's Florida. It's not Miami <laughs> South beach guys. Right. It's fucking bugs. We, snakes. Yeah. Alligators. We forget. We are nature. Yeah. We are nature. Yeah. But we're, so, we live such a removed experience from it. You oh, know, for sure. we forget. Yeah. So, this, wild. this is your wake up call listener if you're still here an hour and a half into it wake up <laughs> yeah. all right josh it, it's been great man um i don't want to keep you too much longer i know the game's still going on and you got some other shit probably to do tomorrow and the next day and i gotta go to the gym but uh yep. it's been a great time man and uh hopefully um try to think of when you're playing next and when i may be able to see you guys again we did just see you guys in september so um and then again, I don't know when you're coming. We to do Florida. have one show booked. We have a show booked in Los Angeles with Poison the Wolf. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think in, we're going to be there in January. I'm not going to um, be there, but my partner will be there. Yeah, that's a dope one. That's a good one. That's a, I'm excited about Will Haven's opening. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, we had I had Jeff yeah. from Will Haven on the podcast recently too, or not recently, but nice. in this year, this year, and then I think yeah. we got <clears throat> we've got tickets to go to the New York show. For that, Heck so, yeah. Um, but Heck yeah. like I said, my partner will be at the LA show, so it'll be a good right time. On. All right, man, we're gonna cut it. Rock and roll. We'll cut it. We'll just end it here. We'll just end it all casual. Like, all right, now we're done. Sounds good. <laughs> this is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. 
They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.